Welcome to Palm Sunday and our final sermon on the Lord's Prayer. Our text for today comes from the story of Palm Sunday found in Mark chapter 11, verses 1 through 11. When they were approaching Jerusalem at Bethphage and Bethany near the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it. If someone says to you, Why are you doing this? Just say this. The Lord needs it and will send it back here immediately. They went away and found a colt tied near a door outside in the street. As they were untying it, some of the bystanders said to them, What are you doing untying the colt? They told them what Jesus had said, and they allowed them to take it. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. Many people spread their, their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut in the fields. Then those who went ahead and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Then he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to, Beth, to Bethany with the twelve. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, help us to serve you as our one and only King. Help us to honor you above all others. May our true allegiance be with your kingdom. Lord, I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Finally, the Lord's Prayer draws a line in the sand. Until we cross it, we will never be fully effective in ministry. Until we cross that line, we will never be the church or the people that God is calling us to be. Is it going to be mine or thine? Who will be in charge of your life? You or God? In every area, relationships, finance, business, politics, Whose kingdom are we building? For what are we using our power? To whom are we giving the glory? The answers to those three questions will determine the shape of our Christian lives. We'll briefly look at all three. First, whose kingdom are we building? For years, one of our members has been asking me the same question. Why does every United Methodist Church around us feel like they have to have a gym? Of course, we have one, and other churches in town have one. And he, he goes on to ask that if we are really a connectional church, as we say we are, and if God has called us to recreational ministry, then instead of maintaining multiple gyms, why don't we all come together as a connection and build one United Methodist Rec Center that would be excellent, that would serve our entire community? It's a good question. My answer to him has always been turf warfare. We don't want to do that because we're afraid one of the other churches might get more benefit than us. Ultimately, we are concerned only about what will serve our own church, what will put bottoms in our pews. Whose kingdom are we building? God's or our church's? Let's listen to our prayer lives. How much time is devoted to getting what we want? Lord, help me, get me out of debt, heal me. Now, it's okay to pray for our needs. Jesus, in fact, tells us to pray for our needs, but that shouldn't be all we pray for. How much time do we spend praying for God's kingdom to come into our community, into our nation, 
and into our world. How much time do we spend praying for people that we don't know or that don't look like us or talk like us? When we pray, are we concerned with God's kingdom or ours? Now, this next point's touchy, but I have to ask, when we say America first, whose kingdom are we serving? American pets consume more meat than people in the developing world. Is that the kingdom we're supporting? In today's text, Jesus had the opportunity to build a kingdom, David's kingdom. Thousands shouted, blessed is the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. You, you hear the crowd there, they weren't really worshiping Jesus. They were anticipating the return of King David's kingdom, a military political power, a superpower in Israel that would rule in the world. And they were ready to fight for it. They were ready to rule. They were really to, ready to make Jesus their king. And Jesus said no. He literally turned around and walked away from the offer. He left town. He'd have nothing to do with it. For thine is the kingdom. It's a question of allegiance. Jesus chose a heavenly kingdom. How will we choose? Secondly, how will we use our power? When compared to most of history, we have a lot of power. We have the power of unprecedented wealth, the power to vote, the power of our words and our influence. For what will we use it? I was encouraged last week, by the way, that Forest Lake used its power. Our scout troop decided that they would spend their time and energy raising money to support Ukraine. With their car wash and lunch last week, they raised over $3,400 to support relief efforts in Ukraine. To me, that sounds like it's building God's kingdom and it's using our power for God's will. Uh, also last Sunday, our modern worship service, instead of meeting here in our facility, decided to go on the road. They went uh, downtown to worship with St. Paul United Methodist, our only minority United Methodist church in this county, in a denomination, in a religion really that has been marked by racial division for most of our history. What a nice way to use our power to break down barriers and to go worship together. Those were great examples, but you know, sometimes we're silenced by fear. We don't want to get too political. A lot of folks say the church doesn't have any business in politics at all. Uh, we don't want to offend any church members who might feel differently or who might vote differently. And so we're oddly silent on a number of social justice issues. The taxing of groceries, for example, or voting rights legislation, or immigrant legislation, and the list could go on. We don't want to broach those even though the scriptures do. We remain silent. What Jesus did on Palm Sunday was profoundly political. He arrived in Jerusalem, the capital, as a king to overthrow the current world order. You can't get more political. I'm encouraged that Forest Lake's new identity statement, which you find on the back of the bulletin when you're in worship with us, reads this. We will stand for justice, even when it's unpopular. Jesus only used his power for kingdom purposes. How will we use ours? And then third, who gets the glory? 
Pride is a monster. Many of us love the attention. We love to show off our accomplishments. We love to check and see how many likes our social media posts get. If we can get into the hundreds or even the thousands, we feel good about ourselves. We hope that we can put a video on YouTube that will go viral. I confess to you that I'm always interested to see how many people actually download this sermon podcast. Especially in Tuscaloosa, I think we get caught up in the allure of perfection. You know, we we celebrate 2020's perfect football season. We celebrated Montana Fouts' perfect softball game in the Softball World Series. And then again, just this last week, as Lexi Kilfoyle pitched a perfect game for us. We love perfection. We are impatient with losses and failures. And yet on Palm Sunday, Jesus rejects the adoration of the crowd and instead embraces the glory of the cross. Jesus is glorified. That means gives honor to. Jesus is, uh, gives honor to God. Jesus is glorified in his most embarrassing moment. Think about that. That Jesus' most embarrassing moment is the one that the world was waiting for. And it's in that moment that he gives glory to God. Uh, author Patsy Claremont years ago wrote a book entitled God Uses Cracked Pots. Now, I, I got to hear an interview where she explained where she came up with the title for a book. She said she, she saw an image, a vision in her mind of a, of a pot with cracks and holes in it. And then a hand poured light into the pot and then put a lid on it. And then the question came to her, how does the light get out? Her answer was through the cracks. Well, are we like that? We work so hard to portray perfection, but in reality, the light of the gospel doesn't show up in our perfection, but it gets out of our lives through our brokenness. When we're vulnerable, when we are authentic with people, then the light gets out and blesses God and others. And so am I going to be a mirror or a sponge? Am I going to soak up all the glory or am I going to use it to reflect a light onto God? So will you step across the line? Pledge allegiance to Christ's kingdom. Use your power to serve him and use even your brokenness to shine the light on his grace. If so, then today enter into God's kingdom that lasts forever. Amen.